ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 18 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. My name is Jordan Lorenz, and I'm joined alongside the man who went to the Deer District, and he returned in one piece, Drew Skyberg. Drew, how was that? That was an interesting experience, Jordan. We'll talk about it with our Bucks talk, but as you said, I am back in one piece, which is great, and I'm going again next week. Oh boy, that is going to be big. What is that, game five? Hopefully they make it to game five, but yeah, yeah. At, at this they rate, who, who Bucks knows? And six. Bucks and six, right? They got to win the next four. We are recording on a Saturday afternoon, so we'll be talking about games one and two, not game three, because game three took place on Sunday night, so we won't be mentioning that. However, we got a lot in this episode, a lot of good stuff. Summer sports spectacular. That's some good stuff. We just watched the Diamondbacks and Yankees. That was last week's episode, Game 7, 2001 World Series. Drew, what do we got coming up two days from now? We have the 2005 NBA Finals featuring the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs. We're really looking forward to this game. We have not watched yet, full disclosure, but looking forward to watching it and recording that beautiful episode. Yeah, I don't think we've ever recorded a Summer Sports Spectacular the night before, have we? No, we have not. No, so this will be a first. We're usually like a week ahead, but hey. Stuff comes up, busy times, and we're going to get it done. Certainly going to be, that's episode seven. And then after that, we've got a college basketball game, a Super Bowl, and what else do we have? I don't even remember. Baseball? No, or we don't baseball. I don't, college football maybe? Do we have another? I think we have another college football game. We've got, if I look real quick. Yes, 1992 college football between Alabama and Miami. Ooh. So that's, that's two big schools going at it there. That'll be good. How could I forget? Yeah, college football, because we only did episode one was the first one. But that's that. You know where we are on all of our socials. Instagram, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew. Facebook, Jordan and Drew the sports crew. Have we figured out the difference between a like and a follow yet? Because I certainly haven't. On Facebook? No, we, ha- we haven't yet. <laughs> we no, got to do I, that. I have no clue. I don't know the difference. We have more followers than likes, so guess that's a good thing. I don't really know. Leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We lost a five-star review. How does this happen? We were at 28. Now we're at 27. I don't understand at all for the life of me how we could just lose one, but we're going to have to get one back. There was another nice review left on Apple Podcasts. It was one of the written reviews, and I'm going to read it now real quick. Put a smile on my face as it says, Making Mondays better one episode at a time. Look out, Joe Rogan. This show is going to the top. So that is an absolutely (laughs) beautiful review. We can't thank you enough for leaving those written reviews. YouTube, I don't know if I said it, but subscribe on there. We're getting back up there. We were at 25 and then, you know, the big drop where we went down to 21. We're back to 24. So we're slowly working our way back to the top. And now it is time for a very special shout out of the week drew can look at it right now this week's shout out is going to sticker mule because last week we mentioned some merchandise we had planned one thing has not been ordered yet the shirts have not arrived yet but what has arrived literally a minute before i jumped on this zoom with drew is jordan and drew the sports crew stickers plain logo on a white background drew these are beautiful they are looking nice. We got the outline on the baseball, the football, and the basketball. And these just are really good looking stickers. And we got 15 of them. So that's always that's great. And it was a good price too, Jordan said. And looking forward to you know expand our um our um area with all of our um the stuff we've gotten. Like we have something else planned. We got the shirts and now stickers. 
good stuff all around. We full disclosure, I ordered 10 stickers and we got 15. So I don't know what the mix up was or how that happened, but an absolute steal and we will take it. I think if you want a sticker, I think it's a dollar. I think that's a fair price for a sticker. Put it on your water bottle, your computer, whatever you want, show them all around. We'll talk about it, but I think that's the plan at this stage. Devin, you're getting a sticker, buddy. You get a sticker for free. We thank you for all the help and support, but sticker mule, if you guys want some affordable and beautiful stickers, I mean, I think these are high quality. I think they're going to be good. We're going to find out once we use them. So that is that. And now it is time for the stats of the week. And Drew, did the people notice last week, the snake sound? How about it? I hope they did. I spent some time looking around for some snake sound effects. I found one and put it together and I thought it sounded great. Sounded amazing. It fits perfectly too. I mean, it sounds just like a snake. So that we're going to try and do maybe more things moving forward. I don't know. We're just working around figuring things out. We're rookies when it comes to all this guys. So you got to bear with us, but stats of the week, let's get right to it. First of all, in the world of baseball, we got two baseball and two basketball stats. First, Shohei Otani is the first player in MLB history to be named an all-stars, both a position player and a pitcher. Now, I think this was done as more of a publicity thing to get him in there as both a pitcher and a position player. Cause I mean, I feel like probably you could have picked one or two pitchers who are better than Otani, but rightfully so. I mean, he certainly deserves this. Yeah, he does. Jordan, his, his fastball touches a hundred. He's got a wicked curveball and a splitter. And I, I think he's a, obviously we know about his offense. We know how great he's been this year with like thir- with his 33 home runs, but as a pitcher, I mean, he, he's been great, but you're right. Certainly could have found a few other guys, but congrats to Otani. Yeah, I've got no problem with him playing both ways. I'm sure he'll be in for one inning. If anything, they throw him in later on. He's not going to start the game, I wouldn't have to think. So next, this one blew my mind. The average viewership for the NCAA Women's Softball Tournament was 1.2 million viewers. Compared to that of the College World Series, 755,000. That is a huge difference in viewership, Drew. What what in the world is happening here? Why is softball so much more popular than college baseball? And Jordan, you sent me that stat right away, and I was mind-blown when I saw that. And I, we talked about what, what we thought right away, and like TikTok is certainly a thing because you see all these, all these athletes are now on like TikTok and stuff, and I'm sure the girls are – and softball are using it more than the Mississippi State Vanderbilt in baseball. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a TikTok of a Vanderbilt pitcher or anything on there. But yeah, I don't know. That's wild. Good for softball, I guess. Right? It's but what do you do after college softball? Like, where do these girls go? Uh, there's there's some like semi pro leagues. Like I believe in America, or there's a semi pro league in in America, and I believe um, that's where that's kind of where you go. There's no like professional professional softball because. That's just how it is. And hopefully in the future, we can see that happen. I mean, it's the same with volleyball too, right? Like sure, you've got the Olympics and you've got all these international things, but you're kind of screwed after college unless you're that good and you can make all these higher teams. But moving on to basketball, Chris Paul in game one was the first player since Michael Jordan to have 30 points and eight assists in an NBA finals debut. Chris Paul was unstoppable in that first game, 30 points, eight assists, as I said, and then moving to game two, Giannis. As a 20-point third quarter, he was a beast. Did it all himself since he had no supporting cast. This was in game two. 
most points in a quarter since Michael Jordan in 1993. So you want to touch on anything here or should we save it for our box talk? We'll save it for our box talk. That is what I figured you would say. And I am fine with that. We're getting to that soon. But first, a very special on this day. I have an honorable mention first uh, from 1931. I just thought this was absolutely beautiful. So on this day, July 12th, 1931, 45,000. 715 fans were packed into a 35,000 seat arena in St. Louis. And these fans were rowdy to say the least. They caused 11 ground rule doubles in game one and 21 ground rule doubles in game two. These fans must've just been grabbing everything. Yeah, that, that is ridiculous, Jordan. I've never heard of, 32 total ground rule doubles and that's ridiculous this is i've never heard this story either you'd figure this is something that you've heard in ba- a baseball history story or this is a perfect trivia question jordan imagine I've, being asked that i've never heard it either i mean it's from 1931 so maybe that's got something to do with it but like even you hear old stories all the time about things so and also i don't know how 10,000 people snuck into this game 10,715 people came into this game that weren't supposed to be. So that is wild. But now it is time for some all-star games. On this day, 1949, the 16th annual all-star game, the AL wins 11-7, to that game from Brooklyn. 1955, 22nd all-star game. NL wins 6-5 to in 12 innings, that game at County Stadium in Milwaukee. They were treated to a good game. Back in 55, we thought Milwaukee had a chance of getting the All-Star game this year, but that didn't happen. So, on this day, 1966, 37th All-Star game, NL wins 2-1 to one in 10 innings. So, a lot of extra inning games back in the day. That one from St. Louis. AL wins 2-1 to one in the 59th All-Star game in 1988. Some of these really low scoring, but now picking back up from Pittsburgh. The 65th All-Star game, 1994, AL wins 7-8. to eight. So that is, I don't know why it says seven to eight. It should say eight to seven. But that a very good game there from Pittsburgh on the stay in 2005. Seven to five win for the AL in Detroit. That is a terrible city. 76 all-star game. AL gets the win. And on the stay in 2011 from Chase Field in Phoenix. I have been there. 82nd all-star game. The NL wins five to one. So pretty even all throughout. And I mean, I think that's kind of what we come to expect every year. Yeah, and I believe the AL leads the history, like, out of – they've won more All-Star games. They beat, they've beat the NL more. But I'm looking forward to make our, making our predictions later this episode, Jordan, because I I just – I love the All-Star game. And it's yeah. a bummer we're not going to see t- two of the NL's best pitchers in it in DeGrom and Woodruff, but it'll still be a great game. It still will be. And you know what? Let's talk about that first. It was last in my notes, but let's jump right into it. Why not waste why, – or why waste the time? Let's get to it, Drew. You want to read some all-stars for these teams. Not going to go through everyone, especially the reserves. But like you said, I think one of the big hits, Jacob deGrom, Brandon Woodruff, not pitching in the all-star game. Both are pitching, both pitched yesterday, right? And that's why they aren't playing in tomorrow's game. Correct. And another reason, like why I think deGrom is trying to get that Sunday start, because we saw him pitch Wednesday, I believe. And the, the reason last Wednesday he pitched. And the reason being is uh, as a, as a pitcher, uh, I think Jacob DeGrom wa- wants this MVP award, and I think he's going to try to do all the things possible to improve his stock for it. And one way by doing that is pitching on a shorter day's rest 
to on that Sunday to get an extra start in, in this year. Yeah, and what if he would have, because he did pitch Wednesday in that doubleheader. We'll talk about that Brewer game. Yikes, Burns versus DeGrom. But if DeGrom would have pitched Wednesday and then not pitched until the All-Star game on Tuesday, and it's not like he's pitching a lot in the All-Star game, what, two innings? I mean, he's not going to go that long. So certainly would have thrown things off. He's staying active, pitching Wednesday and Sunday. Can't really blame him. It's just I kind of hate it how in the All-Star game, sometimes you really don't get the best of the best. But we're going to have to deal with it. Freddie Peralta, he's an All-Star. So, hey, that's something. That's a good thing, Jordan. And that's the reason he is is because of Woodruff is pitching Sunday, and which I respect it. I mean, they care about the the regular season more than the All-Star game, which completely makes sense to me. I mean, the regular season, these games matter. These games will get you into the postseason. The all-star game is just to put on a show for the fans. So as a fan perspective, I can see why, but like as a team, this is a business and they got to win some games. So, and that's I what guess. I said to you. I was like, does one game really matter that much? If you have Woodruff not play one game so he can be in the all-star game. But at the end of the day, what if the Brewers miss the playoffs by half a game somehow or something? And then you look back on this and you're like, well, guess what if Woodruff should have pitched. So, yep. And I got some all-stars to read Jordan. Like you said, American league, we're going to start the manager is from the, the team that represented the AL last year in the 2020 World Series, so Kevin Cash of the Rays. And then we got, I'm going to read the starters. Salvador Perez is catching from the Royals. At first, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays. At second, Marcus Simeon of the Blue Jays. At third, Rafael Devers of the Red Sox. At short, Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox. Outfielder Mike Trout was named the starter, but he's actually hurt right now, so they're gonna someone's going to replace him. And then... The second outfielder, Teoscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays. The uh, final outfielder, Aaron Judge of the Yankees. And then DH Shohei Otani of the Angels. And That's a stacked lineup. That, I mean, uh, you got to say there's some good guys in there, and especially Otani as well. Still a little unfair how AL gets a DH and NL doesn't, but hopefully that gets fixed in the future. Yep. And we got the NL. We got the for the manager, the. 2020 World Series champ Dodgers manager and Dave Ooh. Roberts. Boo. Starters at, cat, at catcher Buster Posey from the San Francisco Giants. Should be Omar Narvaez. At first, Freddie Freeman of the Braves. At second, Adam Frazier of the Pirates. It's good to see he's getting, he got some recognition. He's very underrated. At third, Nolan Arenado from the Cardinals. At short, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres. First outfielder, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves. And then we got the last two are both outfielders from Cincinnati. Nick Castellanos from the Red from the Reds and then Jesse Winker from the Reds. So that's a good looking, that's a good looking lineup as well, Jordan. And I'm gonna read the Brewers All Stars so far. We got Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers, of course, Corbin Burns, now Freddie Peralta, and Josh Hader, and then the all-star who I think we will have in Omar Narvaez. He better be on there. He's not an all-star yet, but I think he'll make it. Uh, he definitely should, but I think I said it best. It's just one of those things where not it's a Brewers catcher and who not it's he's not like a household name at this point. Not a whole lot of people know who he is. They should because he's been raking. He's got really good stats all around. But Buster Posey gets in his first all-star game in a while. And something I also wanted to say, there's a lot of first-time all-stars all around. I mean, let's see on the AL, there's th- five starters who are first time and then four for the NL. So that that's pretty big all around, not having some of the same guys over and over. It's good to get some fresh names in there. 
Yeah, and I think what that speaks, Jordan, I think the league's really in good hands. I mean, when you got this young talent, you got a lot of guys who are young and who have really just improved their game over these last few years, and it's great to see them get honored in Colorado. Certainly is, and now I guess it's time for our predictions, huh? In the All-Star game, AL versus NL, I think I'm going to be leaning towards the AL to get the job done in this World Series. I Should we pick the score, too? Why not, right? Yep. Let's go. AL is going to win. It's going to be middle of the road. It's not going to be too high scoring. Five to three win for the AL. Oh, Jordan, I'm going to say the Shohei Otani will hit a home run in the All-Star game. Okay, Jordan, I'm going to go NL wins. Seven, six. And I'm going to say that if you pick a guy who hits a home run, I'm going to pick a guy who hits a home run. I'm going to say Ronald Acuna goes deep. And I hope, yeah, NL is going to win. And then I also think we might see Josh Hader. Oh, yeah. I think that would be, I mean, if it's a situation, you said 7-6, right? Yep. Okay, so I got that written down. All of our recordings are there. But if it's a situation where NL's up one, coming down to it, why not put Hader in the game? I think that would be awesome. And he did just blow his first save of the year, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Anything else for the All-Star game? Or you want to talk about this derby we got? I want to do the Digger Derby. It is Big this year. Let's just say that. And we have a bracket that we're going to fill out live on the air first. Let's go through the people in it. And then let's talk about the odds to win the Derby. So Shohei Otani is the favorite plus 300 are his odds to win. So I should explain that means if you put a hundred dollars on Shohei Otani and he wins the Derby, you win $300. So that's how that works. Next, Joey Gallo plus 450. Pete Alonzo, he won it not last year, but the year before, plus 500. Matt Olson at plus 600. Salvador Perez, plus 800. Juan Soto, also a plus 800. Trevor Story, plus 900. I feel like that's some good money, honestly. If you want to bet on the underdog, I feel like Trevor Story would be pretty good to go for, plus 900 underdog. And then Trey Mancini, plus 1,200. So he is the big underdog in this tournament, but he's not the eight seed. The eight seed is Juan Soto. So let's get to the bracket. Otani and Juan Soto in the first one. Got to be Otani, right? I'll go on Otani on this, but I think Juan Soto is extremely underrated here, Jordan. I think if he if he gets a hold of some, and I think if he gets going, I think he could he could possibly dethrone the the supposedly who might be the champ. I know. I was thinking about that too because let's if Otani's a little off or something like that, Soto's going to take advantage. So that is a very intriguing. One and eight matchup. Perez and Alonzo. Is Alonzo going to get the job done again, or Perez going to knock him off right away in the first? I think we go the polar bear at Coors. I think that's a good, a good matchup for him. I guess you want to put it like that. <laughs> I mean, that's certainly something. So next up, Joey Gallo from the Texas Rangers, and then Trevor Story from the Rockies. Story, you want to go for him or not? Uh, Jordan, I'm going to tell you this right now. I think Joey Gallo is winning this whole thing. I think you really. Um, so Jordan, Joey Gallo, he does three things. He walks, he strikes out, or he hits a home run. And now with a batting practice pitcher, he can't walk, he can't strike out. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to hit home runs. Hey, I can't argue with that, right? Two seed advancing here in our bracket. And then we got Matt Olson and Mancini from Baltimore. So who are we going here? Matt Olson. You want to go Matt Olson? It's up to you here. I, I, I think both these guys have good shots of... I do as well, but I think Olsen is a pretty good all-around guy, and I don't know. I think he's got a shot. We're going to pick right. him here. 
And then what do we do? And who's our finals going to be here in this? I was going to say March Madness tournament here in a home run derby. If you want to pick Gallo to win it all, I'm not against it. But who's he going to face in the finals is the question. I think it's Gallo versus Polar Bear Pete. <laughs> I think we I go that. I don't mind that. I mean, we just saw Tampa Bay go back to back in the Stanley Cup. So we got Pete Alonso with a chance to go back to back. But you say Joey Gallo. I'm not against that. But I want to say, if we're doing this, I think we should pick Juan Soto over Otani in the first round. For the, the podcast, it's up to you, Jordan. I, I said who my side. If you want to go like that with that, I'm cool with that too. I think we do it just to be it's a little bold. I think, well, if we're picking Pete Alonso over Otani anyways, why not just go with uh, Juan Soto in the first round? Yeah, why? Yeah, I like that. And this is Otani's first derby. We don't know how he's going to do. Exactly. And uh, we got to say, his batting coach said he hasn't taken batting practice all year long. Did you see that? I did see it. That's nuts. That is insane. He has not taken batting practice. This And what he's doing, leading the league in home runs, pitching to a player, but he's getting bounced in the first round of our bracket. Who knows how this will end up, but we have from the Rangers, Joey Gallo winning it all in the bracket. I will submit that after we're done and we are off the air. So that is that. That wraps things up for our MLB talk. Now it's time to throw the Brewers, right? Let's focus just on this Brewer team. They had a Mets series. And one game ended up getting rained out, so they played in a doubleheader. They lost that first game on Monday, 4-2. to two. And then in a game they should have won, in the first game of the doubleheader, or pardon me, they lost that first game. Yeah, 4-2. to two. Yes, okay, I see now. I thought it was a four-game series for some reason, but that's the Red Series. They lost the first game of that doubleheader, 4-3, to three, a game they should have won, Jace Peterson hits a home run off Jacob DeGrom, and I was a little late to getting to the start of the game. So once I tuned in, Luis Urias had hit a home run off Jacob DeGrom. Very first at-bat of the game, Luis Urias goes yard, Brewers were up 1-0. Then in the bottom of the first, Corbin Burns gives up a run, so it took both pitchers a little while to get going. DeGrom went all seven innings. The only hits he allowed were home runs from Peterson and Urias. Then we went to the bottom of the seventh inning game, 2-1. Brewers were leading this game. Josh Hader comes in. Well, I should say also, Craig Council puts Devin Williams in with two outs in the sixth inning. Why won't he let Hader go for four outs? What is with him and not letting Hader get that extra out? And Jordan, I so we saw in the 2001 World Series, we saw they wanted, they wanted Mariano Rivera to go two innings. I get the six outs there. I know I know it's only four outs, but I think with Council's philosophy is I don't think he wants him going for more than an inning. And I think I, I I personally thought that would be a bad idea, but I just I think looking at Council's philosophy, he never takes hate he never gets tries to get hater to go more than an inning. And and look, in this game he didn't do it either. And luckily Devin Williams got that out in the sixth. Yeah, yeah. Um in the seventh, um we saw Josh Hader gave up that home run to Jose Peraza, so that was that was tough. Yeah, the DH came in for DeGrom and hits a dinger off Hader. First home run he's allowed all year, and maybe I jinxed it because earlier in the game I was looking up the ERA for Hader because I didn't remember. I thought he'd only given up like one or two runs all year. Maybe I jinxed it. Maybe it was my fault that the home run got hit, but Brewers lose that game. Thankfully, they win the second game of the doubleheader, 5 nothing. beat the Reds in the first game, 5-3, and then lose 2 nothing. The other day to the Reds. So two more Reds games that we haven't seen yet. However, we do know 
Drew has won the predictions challenge, and it is now seven to five, three weeks in a row. Drew is coming back. And what do you want to touch on? Any of these games, or should we should we talk about the trade first? Um, well, I, I want to touch on uh, the Thursday night or the Friday night game, Jordan. I it was MLB on YouTube free free game of the week. The Brewers actually made it, uh, and and of course I, they lost. Of course they lost, like you said, but. Um, this is my first time watching a YouTube game start to end. I've seen some some few innings, but I've never got to the full experience, you know, start to end. And they, Jordan, I got to pull something. I took some pictures of some of the graphics they showed because I was really impressed. They did a lot. Their productions team did a great job. I really enjoyed it. And I agree. They do like a lot of fan polls and participation things too along during the game. So I guess that if you're into that kind of stuff, I guess it's good for you. Yeah, they... they they really try to get the audience involved, and I really respect that. And some of the things they show, they show a pitch sequence, so you can see all the sequences in and at bat, like how the what what pitches were thrown. I thought that was great. And then they also have a thing in the top right corner where they show how the defense is aligned right now, and it actually moves like live, like as as someone's moving, it shows the defense move. So like you could see, let's for example, Christian Yelich, he gets into a two strike count. You you could see on this move this tracker thing, you could see everyone move to the right side of the field, the infield. I did not see that. I watched Brewers Cubs when they were on YouTube. It was a day game earlier in the year. I don't think they had that. So either I completely missed it somehow or that's new, but that's awesome. Yeah. And with all great things, there's some bad things, of course. And these national announcers, which they they don't know their small market teams, which I understand. Freddie Peralta is called Freddie Garcia. Oh, a pitcher from the 2000s for like the Mariners and Yankees. So that was odd. Um, and then uh, one guy pr- decided to pronounce Keston Hira as a name from like a Hispanic, a Hispanic name. So it was Keston Ira, not Keston Hira. It was Keston Ira. And it was like, oh, come on. He's trying a little too hard. Yeah, exactly. And but overall, I think I thought it was great. They really they really get people involved. They have uh, an award given out for the player of the game. Yes, fans <laughs> awesome. So it kind of reminded me of like how the Nick the Nickelodeon on um, NFL game, the playoff. Remember the playoff game that was on I, CBS? Yeah, I did Nickelodeon? not watch that, but I've certainly seen the picture of like when they scored a touchdown with all the slime and stuff. Mm-hmm. I heard it, terrible things about those announcers as well. Yeah, it, it was kind of. It felt like it was geared towards a younger audience, but it really wasn't. I don't know how to explain it. It just they they really got all like with the interaction. That's how it kind of felt, which I. I myself for baseball, I really, really like that. So that's I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you're on YouTube, you're definitely not gearing towards the older audience because what 70 year old brewer fan is going to be sitting at his house watching a game on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of geared towards a little kid just scrolling through and then in recommended, he sees like live MLB or something. And maybe that's his first introduction to baseball. So I don't know. I think they're trying to have fun with it. Like you said, the announcers are always pretty bad on those broadcasts they do did they do like live interviews during the game yeah they interviewed Corey burns during it and then they had oh uh, they had jonathan india and willie adamas mic'd up so that was, that was good to hear oh adamas mic'd up that would have been awesome but yeah was- i've always loved mic'd up sessions and i'm not a, the biggest fan of interviews during the games but when it's something like that and it's a game you know just in the middle of the year that's not too bad but like if it's a world series and they got someone mic'd up in left field and they're trying to talk to him that's a no-no but yeah, and like he wasn't mic'd up, like he was mic'd up, but like they weren't interviewing him or anything. So I thought it was fine. Like during the during like the game, it was like it, when the team was hitting or uh, stuff like that. So I think I saw it once during like maybe it was an All Star game. I don't know, but like they were interviewing him live during the game, and I was like, whoa, that's a little too far. Like asking him questions as he's running to get an out. 
I don't remember when it was or what it was, but I remember seeing that sometime. Probably an all-star game. but I think yeah. it might have been. But yeah, I don't know for sure. Anyways, that's enough for our Brewers. They've got a, still got a lead in this NL Central. The Reds are creeping up back behind them now because the Cubs are just absolutely terrible. They're like 2-13 and 13 in their last 15 or something. I don't know. They're really, yeah. really bad in their last few. So we know it's the all-star break, but... 16th, 17th, and 18th, Brewers have a three-game series at Cincinnati. So they're playing the Reds once again for whoever schedules these games. It's wild. Three-game series against the Reds after the All-Star break. They just had the four-game series with them. So we got to do some predictions for the Brewers' three-game series. Drew, you've won three weeks in a row. What are you picking? Are you going 3-0? and you going 2-1? and you going 1-2? and Are you going 0-3? They're taking two out of three, Jordan. Two and one to start the break. Yeah, two and one is certainly what I was going to pick. And now you put me in a very, very tough position as do I go bold and say undefeated? Nope, I am going one and two. I'm going the under this time. Last week, I went way too bold and I picked five and two, which honestly they could have been if they would have won the first game of that Mets series. We don't know how Saturday and Sunday games went, but One and two is what I'm going to go with for this upcoming week. Just a three-game series as I close out my Milwaukee Brewers tabs. Besides the last one, the Rowdy Telez trade is the last thing we want to touch on. The crew added first baseman Rowdy Telez from the Blue Jays in exchange for Trevor Richards, who I was so, so, so happy to see go, and a pitching prospect, Bowden Francis. And I saw something about Bowden of how he's been doing well down in the minors, but he's not going to fit into the rotation that well in the majors. So having him go is not bad for anyone because a, he's going to be able to get to play more and B Brewers free up someone. And now they get Rowdy Tlez who in his last 13 games in triple a, keep in mind, he was back Vladdy Guerrero, right? That's who's on the blue Jays. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he was backing him up. So he had no chance. He was in triple a, he had 14 hits, four home runs and a 1.03 OPS in his last 13 games. And now as a brewer, he is on the active roster and it's basically going to be him and Keston Hira switching things up while Vogelback is out. I like this trade now. One, Trevor Richards is gone. And two, Rowdy has plenty of time. We got a few weeks to look at him and see how he's going to be. See if he isn't doing very well. Brewers have plenty of time to try and figure some out for the deadline yet. Yeah, exactly, Jordan. And I, I, I right away was like, yes, Rowdy Tellez, great option. Danny Vogelback out six weeks, perfect guy to fill in, fill do his job. They're very similar players as we as they, they both are these big, big um, guys who just like hitting home runs. And I think that's perfect. Like, like you mentioned, Brewers do they need the production at first? They really, they are one of the, I believe they have the worst in baseball at first and production wise. And I think this is a was a great trade because when you give up a guy like Trevor Richards, who you got in the Domus trade, who was just kind of thrown in there, and you give it, you give it up a prospect in Bowden Francis, which for the Brewers, when you have such a surplus of starting pitching and your rotation is just so rich and so they're just very good, like it's good all around. And I think when you can, when you have such a strong major league thing, you can really afford to just give up these minor league guys, and that's exactly what they did here. I'm sure in the long term, he would have been better than a guy like Eric Lauer or Adrian Hauser. But we're thinking short term because if we want to be a contender, we need a first baseman. And I don't think Rowdy Telez is the everyday player solution. Certainly not. I mean, I don't know. They might 
flip out between Vogelback, Tellez, and Hira. Who knows what they're going to do if they don't trade for someone. Trade deadline is approaching. The move for now is fine. I guess at first when I saw he was in the minor league, I was like, wait, why are we getting him? But then, you know, I look into it more and I figure, well, obviously he's backing up an all-star and things like that. And he's been doing all right. So we're going to see how he does as a brewer. Anything else? Or are we going to talk about hockey for a minute? You're going to talk about hockey for a minute. <laughs> You're certain. Did you watch any of the Stanley Cup games? Nope. Uh, of course not. I knew it wouldn't work. But Tampa Bay Lightning have gone back to back. And I absolutely blew you away in our NHL bracket pool. I think I had like, I closed the tab, but I had like 250 some points and you had 50 points. So it was not even close. I go back to, or Tampa goes back to back. I picked them. They win in five games. Not very competitive. 5-1, 3-1, 6-3. Then they lost 3-2 in overtime. That was a wild game for the Habs to win on their home ice. And then a one nothing win for Tampa Bay, getting the job done in Tampa Bay at their home stadium. Just Five-game series, Tampa wins 4-1. to one. Pretty big differential in goals. I mean, you're talking four in the first game, two in the next game, three in the game after. The Habs just couldn't keep up. They were the underdogs coming in. Tampa wins back-to-back. Can't wait for some more hockey talk once we get going. Once again, Drew, January 1st, Target Field. The Minnesota Wild are playing in the Winter Classic. They're playing at a baseball stadium? Yes, this is something they've been doing the past few years. They were supposed to do it last year, but the Wild now get to host at Target Field. That is going to be epic. I mean, it's going to be cold, but maybe I'm going to try and go to that. That is going to be wild. So, I guess pun intended at the end. Not really. I didn't even think about it. But Minnesota Wild, my favorite team, they got bounced in the first round. But let's talk about some bucks here. Moving from baseball to hockey, to basketball. The Milwaukee Bucks are down 2 nothing as of the time of recording. Hopefully it's not 3 nothing because that would be bad. And I didn't even realize the Suns scored 118 points in Game 1 and Game 2. It was the exact same, 118 to 105 and 118 to 108. So that tells me right away, Coach Bud's not making adjustments. Well, Jordan, I think the main issue now with this Bucks team, I, I don't know necessarily if it's how the Bucks. like obviously the Bucks aren't aren't playing like they're, I think they're playing pretty good though, Jordan. Like I, I mean, they obviously could play better, is what I'm saying. But like, Giannis is playing well. I think their game plan, I think it's working. Like with, I know, I know it out too well, but it's just frustrating because like in game one, we saw the Bucks make more threes. We saw them out rebound the Suns, but yet they still lose, and it's it's frustrating. But I think the main culprits right now is, I don't think it's Coach Bu- Coach Bud. I think right now it's the production we are not getting out of Drew Holiday. And the inconsistencies of Chris Middleton. I think that's solely why why they're down to well right now. Hundred percent. In the first half of game two, I think Middleton had seven or Holiday had seven and Middleton had five. So starting game one, let me just say real quick, the Bucks did not make the most of their second chance opportunities. They had so many offensive rebounds and couldn't put the ball in the bucket. So many easy looks for the guys like Lopez, Tucker. I mean, they just weren't making them. Game one was all right, but like you said, Holiday, Middleton, those two, when you've got so much money wrapped around them, and they're supposed to be your big three. I mean, those two and Giannis, that's supposed to be a really big trio. And then you got Lopez, you got Pat Connaughton, and you've got Jeff Teague who's playing, and you've got Bryn Forbes, you've got P.J. Tucker. I think in game one, 
Chris Paul was going off and it's a lot of shots. They were just going over these bucks. Like you've got Giannis or Brooke Lopez in front of you. They're shooting over them lights out. How are you going to stop that? And then game two, the Suns made it an insert. It's just so many threes. Yeah, Jordan, they're shooting. They're shooting outworldly right now. I don't even know how to explain it. Devin Booker made seven, three, seven for 12 from three in game two. And like you, you couldn't, I don't know what you do. And like in game one, I'm going to go back to game one for a second. Um, another issue was, I hate to blame the officials, but the free throw discrepancy between the two teams was, it was, it was absurd. And Devin Booker had eight in the first quarter, I think. Yep. And Middleton had zero free throws in the first game and he had zero free throws, I believe in the second game as well. So he hasn't shot a free throw yet this series. So, and he's, he's the best free throw shooter for the box because holiday's not the best. I mean, he's better than Giannis, but Giannis is still doing whatever. It's still beyond frustrating that every time he goes to the line, commentary talks about him and his free throws. We know he's not going to free throw shooter. Find something else to talk about and move on. And they have the audacity to ask Giannis if he hears the crowd counting to 10. Like, are you kidding me? There's 20,000 people going one, two, three. Of course he's going to hear him. Why are you even asking that? That is a stupid question. Game two, right out of the gate. I noticed Drew Holiday so much more aggressive. But I think he was too aggressive. He was throwing up some shots. He got a good three right away to start the game, missed it. Then he was doing some things. He was shooting the ball much more than he did in game one. But the shots just weren't falling. I don't know if there's, these are carnival rims down in Phoenix where the Suns can make them all and the Bucks can't make any. But certainly, if the Bucks want to stay in this series, they need Giannis to keep doing what he's doing because in the third quarter, Giannis was absolutely unstoppable. No one was coming anywhere near him. But if you're having Giannis go off like that and you don't have Middleton and you don't have Holiday, there's no way they're winning this series. There's just not. And like Bobby Portis only played five minutes, Jordan. Like he's he's such a defensive liability, which I love Bobby. And like whenever he does something, you know, all the Bucks fans are chanting Bobby in the Deer District. And it's just it's just a bummer to not see him play more because he he's gotta he's gotta be able to play defense and the, and he gets matched up on Chris Paul or um, Devin Booker in a mismatch and he, he can't he he can't do anything against them he just he looks lost out there and so does Brent Forbes he's not a good defensive oh, player yeah. either and I know a lot of people say Pat Connaughton gets too many minutes but who else are they gonna play do you want Jeff Teague out there in the final four minutes of the game I feel like Pat does a pretty good job he's still. He's not making all his threes, but for the most part, he makes some big ones. And I feel like the Suns are definitely due for an 80-point game because there's no way they can keep shooting at the way they're going. Hopefully, game three last night, the Bucks won by like 20. Hopefully, they just fed off the crowd and were doing everything in their power to play well. But if not, I'm very worried for this Bucks team. Can you imagine them getting to the finals and getting swept? That just would be awful. That's not happening, Jordan. Bucks and six. But there you go. That's a good way to look at it. I got one more thing, Jordan. I got to talk about how the Deer District was for game two. I went down to, for game two Thursday night. Last Thursday, went down with a few friends. We went down to the Deer District, went to experience it. And Jordan, let me tell you, when you are in that Deer District, you cannot hear anything. It's so loud. You are squished in like sardines in there. And it is an experience of a lifetime is how I put it. Um, well, they say there's 20,000 people, so. Yeah, it, it was it was wild. I I don't know how else to put it. It was it's a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of jumping, a lot of a lot of dancing, and a lot of um cheering for the Bucks. Well, it's got to be right. I was gonna say, can you even see the screen? 
Yeah, you can see it. I saw I was able to see it the whole game except for a two minute stretch when there was a six five man who went in front of me. Oh boy, yeah, that's not gonna work. <laughs> that is rough. I, I moved away and I, I kind of like pushed my way away and I was able to see that. So it was only two minutes roughly, so not a big deal. And I mean you can tell by how the crowd's reacting if they're doing good things or not, but yeah, that is certainly an experience going to the Deer District. I have not been there, but wild, wild stuff. And they opened it up inside as well. So people could have gone inside to sit. And all the announcers are talking about that, of how it would be a lot more comfortable and a lot easier and more convenient to be inside. But you have to pay to be inside. You don't have to pay to be outside. So a lot of people are cheap and it's only 10 bucks to get inside. But the atmosphere outside, definitely a lot better than the atmosphere inside, I would have to imagine. That's why you're going right for the atmosphere. So that's that. That is our Bucks talk. Fingers crossed they won last night and are not down 3 nothing. But can you imagine if they're down 3 nothing and won the next four? How wild would that be? That would be insane. And I <laughs> go Bucks. That's all I can say to that. That's all we got to say. Now, the NCAA, we promised it last week. Here it is to wrap things up for our weekly sports talk segment. Last Thursday, so actually two weeks ago at this point, the NCAA said it will allow its athletes to profit off their own personas, something they haven't been able to do in the past. This is going by NIL is what you're hearing a lot of people say. So name image and likeness. Graham Mertz was the first player in the NCAA to do something like this, where he put out a logo and that's all he did at the first part. I don't think he did anything else, but his logo is out there. So obviously he can now put that on shirts. He can make hats. He can do media appearances. He can do all these things. I'm going to give you a few examples because if you're confused at this point, the article I was reading mentions a few things. It says you can do sponsored social media posts, sponsored videos on YouTube, training lessons and summer camps, autographs and merchandise sales. And we saw this. There is an article from NBC Sports, 16 athletes who are already making the most of this. So we've got Hannah and Haley Cavender from Fresno State Women's Basketball. They have signed themselves a deal with Boost Mobile. So they were already on like a billboard in Times Square. I mean, they were getting their name out there. They have a thing. They're now spokespeople for Boost Mobile. Bo Nix from Auburn signed a deal with Milo's Tea Company. Sean Shivers signed a deal with Yoke, a platform that allows fans to play video games with and against athletes. So that's kind of fun. Will Almer, he is a guitarist and singer, and now he can do shows. He's playing under his real name. He's open for business. So someone can hire him to go and play. Gable Stevenson from Minnesota. He has a deal with a delivery service called GoPuff. I mean, these are just some of the things we can expect from players. The options are basically endless. And I think this is long, long, long overdue. I agree, Jordan. I think with when you're born, you have your name. And I think that's your name. And you should be able to market your name. And I think, like you just mentioned it, it's long overdue. And now I hope we can see these video games come back. Like we got NCAA football. We got the March Madness games that were always a blast. And I think if... With, the, with this happening now, I think there are we're going to see a lot, a lot more things. Hopefully, sports cards we can start seeing. Because now you always see the college sports cards. They're, they're guys who are going to the draft. They're out, they're out of college. Now we can maybe get these guys who are freshmen, sophomore. We can get these underclassmen. They'll be able to make money off their, their name now. Which And I think that I, I'm so glad this happened. It's a no-brainer, right? Like you said, you're born with your name. And the NCAA is taking that away from you. In video games in the past, you would be wide receiver number six. 
Like that's what they would have. It's like you're a slave. They just take everything away from you. Don't let you profit off of anything. And if you did like Reggie Bush, that's illegal and you're losing the Heisman. So, I mean, nowadays things are completely different. And like I said, this is long overdue and there's a lot of good things out of it. First of all, it gets the players more exposure, which in return is going to give the school more exposure and people are going to actually want to see these players play because if they're doing media appearances and they're hyping things up and they're like actually genuinely good people who wouldn't want to see them play. So that's a big thing. First of all, second, they're going to be making a lot of money off merchandise. Like how awesome would it be to be walking down the street with your Luca Garza shirt or something like that? You know, like things are endless for these players and merchandise. And another thing, like you mentioned trading cards, I didn't even think of that, honestly, but that would be pretty awesome. Each team could have like certain ones for all the sports, even like you could have your basketball, you could have your football, who knows, golf, soccer, like the possibilities are endless for all these guys. And the big thing here, right? College athletes are not getting paid to play. Like we have to put that out right away. They're still not getting paid. Like, obviously, if you're a big name, you're going to have your scholarship, your full ride, you'll be good to go. But this is not like a salary thing where they're getting paid a certain amount. No, even if you're not a great athlete and like you're a bench warmer for, say, Kansas's basketball team, if you have fans, you could still be out there putting your name on whatever it is, getting a merchandise deal, getting a sponsorship from someone. You, it doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world or a D3 athlete. This is a beautiful thing for you because you can still make money. And Drew, you know, there's going to be fans of D3 sports who are going to want to buy something. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this for a personal thing. I'm going to school with Patrick Baldwin Jr. So this is a perfect opportunity. I got to bring my side and stuff. I can give him maybe side of basketball. God, I, the, the opportunities are endless. I mean, certainly really could endless. have. Yes, you could have done things like that before, but if it would have been caught, like say you have a signed Patrick Baldwin basketball on eBay and they figure that out, like Patrick Baldwin would be in some trouble and that it would not be good. But now all bets are off. Think of how many things are going to be on eBay signed by everyone. It's going to be all, it might actually be a little annoying for players at first because they're getting all this attention now that they didn't have prior. But hey, if you want to be a top tier athlete, you better get used to it now. So anything else you want to touch on for this? Yeah, I think... But I have one more thing. I think, you know, all these college athletes and all these signatures, we have to get Gary Micelli back on to break this down. <laughs> he would love to be back on. He'll probably send me a message after he listens to this. But yeah, hopefully college athletes actually put a little pride on their signature. And it's not just a JH71, but maybe they'll get lazy too. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, there's just a lot of different things. Looking at the article, Trey Knox from Arkansas football, he signed a deal with PetSmart. So, I mean, you can literally think of anything and it will be an option for you to do. I can't wait to see what kind of merchandise and everything these guys pull out. So that is it. We're going lengthy today, but that's fine. It is time for our Brewers All-Star Trivia. It's going to test Drew's knowledge of past Brewers in the All-Star game. First question. Brewers had five All-Stars in the last All-Star game. So that was back in 2019. So think back two years ago, I need you to name four of the five all-stars the Brewers had. Christian Yelich. Lorenzo Kane. Um, no? Oh. No Kane. Uh, so did I already lose? Well, no. You If you get the next four right, if you guess four more, you win. Oh, okay. Kane was not an all-star. Um, my God. There oh, is two uh, pitchers. Aguilar. Oh, this is 2019. Oh, boy. Uh, 
Well, no, it's gonna be ugh, darn it. It's Woodruff. Yep. It's who's it? Is it Woodruff? Woodruff Burns? was there. With Burns, Burns was, wasn't there. He had a horrible no. 2019. Correct. I don't know yeah. why 2019 All Stars. Woodruff and Hader were the pitchers, and then this is where it got tough. Yelich, Mike Mustakis, and Yasmani Grandal. Yep. Yeah. So that was that back in 2019. I mean, that feels like forever ago with some of those guys on the team. Yeah, I was now, thinking of 2018. I'm sad. Yeah, well, it's okay. Maybe you'll get the next four right. Next one, true or false? The last first baseman to be an all-star for the Brewers was Prince Fielder. False. Jesus Aguilar. There you go. You mentioned it in this last one, so I figured you'd have to get that right. Now, next question. How many all-star games has Ben Sheets been in? Okay, so he was in, I know he was in 2001. Um, that is correct. I'm going to say he was in three of them. Four of them. He was in very, very close, but it was indeed four. 2001, 2004, 2007, and 2008. Okay. So he was in four, close there. Next question. You got three options. When was Ryan Braun's last appearance as an all-star? Was it 2014? 2015 or 2017? 2014. Incorrect. It was 2015. But he got so, suspended that year. Or no, it didn't he get. Wasn't that the got... year at? Or was that after that, maybe? Wow. I don't know. But it, it's 2015. So sadly, you're now one of one of four. You can't go one of five. Next question. I think you're going to get this. Name the only brewer in franchise history. To win the All Star Game MVP, Brian Braun, Prince Fielder was the man to do it back in 2011. The NL won five to one. Prince Fielder was one of two in the game, but he had a three-run shot, and that was the first ever home run hit by a Brewer in the All Star Game. So Prince Fielder's big three-run shot. Gets the job done. A tough go around. And this bit of trivia, the Brewers All-Stars got to you. Yeah, there's some tough questions, Jordan. Not going to lie. I don't know how many exact Ben Sheets All-Star games there were. <laughs> that's, that's the deal with trivia. You can't know everything. We can't have you going 5 of 5 every week. So you're now 24 of 40 in trivia. I don't know what percent that is, but that's, I mean, that's still not failing for sure. 24 divided by 40, 60%. I feel like you're always right around 60%. So that's, that's not too bad. Yep. I'll take it. Shout yourself out now. You can uh, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Drew Skyberg, D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. And like we said, we're on everything. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're working on a website. And we've got these beautiful, beautiful stickers if you reach out to us we will cut you a deal on these stickers i mean they're not going to cost you ten dollars that's for sure these are absolutely awesome we can't wait to wear them all around water bottles computers you name it don't forget coming up summer sports spectacular episode seven the pistons and the spurs will be going at it thank you all for listening to episode 18 of jordan and drew the sports crew the perfect podcast for you